0: If you would, please take a copy of God's Word and turn to Ephesians, I'm so used to saying chapter 4, it's chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 22. If you uh, don't have a Bible with you this morning, the inside cover of the bulletin, you can find the scripture there, Uh, the Black Pew Bible, it's uh, page 978, 978. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through, we'll read through 22, we won't really cover that until next week, just to clarify, in case you're wondering. But Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 22, hear now God's holy, inerrant, and inspired word. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody of the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Ascends the reading of God's Word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Let's ask his blessing now as we consider it together. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we pray that you would let all of us hear your word. Hear your word, submit to it. Hear what you have to say. Admit where we fall short and seek your mercy in all these things. Speak to us, Lord, for your servants are listening. This we ask in Jesus' great name. Amen. Every parent's favorite question, why? Why do I need to clean my room? Why do I need to do my homework? Why do I have to listen to you? And the answers to that vary, don't they? Depending on the situation, your mood, their mood. Sometimes the answer is, well, because it's good for you. Sometimes the answer Oh, kids love to hear this one. Because I said so. Kids, you may not like that answer, but it's not going away. Even when you're 18 or 25, you move out of the house, you get your own cell phone plan or your own health insurance. Because I said so may always be a part of your life because you're always going to have authorities in your life. Authorities like parents, and when you don't have to put up with them quite as much while well, you still have professors and bosses and board members and shareholders or whoever, because I said so, may always be a part of your life. But good parents know that's not the only reason to do something, right? Get name amen on that one? There are other good reasons, other good answers to why. It's good for you. It'll train you. This way is better. This is who we are as a family. This is the right way. This is the honorable way to act. God gives multiple answers to the why questions. He does it here. There are many reasons to be imitators of God. Some of them include our identity, our end, our surroundings, even our own best interests. See that this morning. We have, Lord willing... Four sermons left in Ephesians. In these four sections, God tells us how to relate to the world. That's today. To our spouses, to our family, and to the unseen daily battles. Today, how do we relate to the world? God calls us to imitate God in the world because, first of five reasons, God's people are children of love, not lust. God's people are children of love, not lust. You see it in verses 1 through 4. This is an identity Answer. Be who you are in Christ. Be who you were always created to be. Not what the world says to be, not what your feelings tell you. Be who God made you to be. Verse 1 Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Imitators of God, mimicking God because we were made in God's image. You're His reflection. Now, a, a pale reflection, more like the reflection in a window than the reflection in a mirror. Sure, after the fall, before heaven, that's true. But we also are being renewed in knowledge and other divine qualities after the image of our creator. That's Colossians 3.10. We are called to imitate God because we are beloved children, Ephesians 5.1. Beloved See that love both before and after this verse. You notice how verse one starts. Therefore, all we see what the therefore is. Therefore, look back, Ephesians four thirty-two, the very last verse of chapter four. It says, "Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another." Hard stuff to do. As God in Christ forgave you, it's a verse that challenges us. Just so we start thinking that's all really hard. God. Drops his forgiveness on us, reminds us of all that he's done. It's like a thunderclap, a, a mic drop, a, some kind of grand finale, a grace quake, as someone I know likes to say. It's another motivation here as well for holiness, for imitating God. It's, it's our gratitude. If we aren't grateful for what God has done for us in Christ, then we're oblivious, we're forgetful, something's wrong. Be imitators of God as beloved children, children of love, loved by God so that we will imitate him and love others. That brings us to verse two, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Similar reasoning, right? Walk in love. One way we imitate God, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. To make anyone else think of Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live and the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me, gave himself up for us, the ultimate sacrifice for sin, the ultimate fragrant offering like the Old Testament sacrifices that foreshadowed the Lamb of God who would Take away the sin of the world, all of his people, from every tribe, tongue, and nation, God's people, who are children of love, who have received love, who are called to imitate his love. Not lust, but love. It's what verses 3 and 4 remind us. Let's read those. It says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. It's proper, fitting for people of love to not joke about things like lust, a selfish, covetous desire. Proper and fitting for us to reflect God's holy and selfless love, not selfish lust. It only wants to satisfy our desires. Is that because sex is bad? No, Christians guided by God's word have always realized this. Sure, some have erred. They've emphasized the wrong things. Some of us now or in church history have said, implied that that sex is bad. So just, just don't talk about it at all. John Stott's commentary from way back in the 1970s explains this well. He says we don't avoid sex or vulgarity because we're ashamed of it, because we're afraid of it but because, quote, we have a high and holy view of it. It's a good gift that God has reserved for marriage between one man and one woman, and we don't want to see it cheapened. Sex is reserved for those who have, you might say, consented to lay down their lives for one another, for life, till death do us part. Why are God's children called to imitate God? Because of God's selfless love not selfish lust. We're children of love, not lust. Recipients of the costly love of Christ who gave himself up for us. Recipients of love, ready to show love to others, imitators of God. Why else are we called to imitate God? Well, secondly, because unholy people will not enter his kingdom. Unholy people will not enter his kingdom. Verses five through seven. Again, multiple reasons to imitate God, to pursue holiness. There's positive and negative promises, for example. Positively, the Bible says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see the most lovely being that has ever existed, the one that our hearts long for, the one who's larger than life, greater than self, lasting forever. That's true. There's also negative reasons. Why should we imitate God, pursue holiness? Verses 5 through 7 hit us hard. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Notice, same three words from verse 3 with a slight twist. In verse 3, he names the sins... In verse 5, he names those who practice these sins, and he, he changes the reasoning slightly, right? First, verses 3 and 4 says not proper, not fitting. God's people don't act like this. We're not people of lust. We're people of love, recipients, and therefore givers of love, not selfish lust. But it's not just that. If you practice these sins, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will inherit the wrath of God. We all, at the end of the day, believe in the concept of wrath and punishment, and God is saying there will be punishment and reward in eternity. He's also saying sexual sinners, dare I say sexual addicts, are the kind of people who receive God's wrath, people who indulge their sexual lusts are not committing a victimless crime First, they're victimizing themselves both now and in the life to come, victimizing others as well, even the sin of pornography. By the way, that word sexual immorality, verse 3 as well as verse 5, it's the word porneia in Greek. The sin of pornography, supposedly so private, eventually fuels the demand for human trafficking, social scientists say. Sexual sinners are victimizing themselves, They're telling themselves, I will be satisfied with more, and you will not. If you don't believe the Bible, just listen to the Rolling Stones. I can't get no satisfaction, but I try, and I try. Sorry if I just told someone what that song was really about. I don't think a spoiler alert is needed for a song that came out before I was born, but lust is a bottomless pit. It can only be satisfied when it meets something of infinite worth and value. And if you reject the one who's of infinite worth and value, if you repeatedly reject his word, his instruction, then you've chosen immediate gratification, short-lived, resulting in his ultimate judgment. No place, it says, in the kingdom of God. Eternity in hell, that's where the wrath of God is reserved for the sons of disobedience who experience one day, they will experience conscious eternal torment. Let no one deceive you and tell you that the actions, the sins of the body do not affect your soul. That's a lie that's approximately 2,000 years old according to verse six. Positive reasons to pursue holiness, there are negative ones too. If you want an inheritance in the kingdom of God, flee sexual immorality, pursue holiness, imitate God in his selfless love. However, Paul's not saying, I'm not saying, anyone who has ever committed one of these sins is banned from the kingdom of God. Those who've sinned and repented of that sin need to remember the assurance of pardon from just a few moments ago in our service, 1 Corinthians 6.11. What did it say? By the way, who is it talking about? Look at Verse 9, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers will inherit the kingdom of God. Very similar words, but verse 11 says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Such were some of you. And if you've turned from sin and are clinging to Christ as you fight your sin then your past sin is what you were. Yes, Paul is warning the deluded, the self-deceived. If you think you can just keep practicing habitual sin, particularly of a sexual nature and enter God's kingdom, you're wrong. There's hope, but there's no hope without repentance, he's saying. You must turn from sin. You must turn to Christ in his mercy. Imitate God. Because unholy people will not enter his kingdom. And the only way to be Holy is to be covered in Christ's blood. Why else should we imitate God and pursue holiness? Because he goes on to say God's people, thirdly, are children of light, not shameful secrets. God's people are children of light, not shameful secrets, verses 8 through 14. It's another identity reason, right? Who are you? You're not children of the darkness. You were, but you're not anymore. You're not darkness anymore. You're light. And then verse 8, walk, he says, as children of the light. Because verse 9, the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Makes you think of Philippians 4, 8, many of you. Finally, brothers, Paul says there, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things and then back to ephesians chapter 5 verse 10 it says children of light should try to discern what is pleasing to the lord for example does scripture apply to technological and sociological advances of modern life Are cell phones for example a good thing i use mine a fair bit some of it's good connecting to new friends old friends Using that white noise app on my phone so I can focus while I'm writing myself clear, eventually hoping to preach myself empty, as Alistair Begg likes to say. I think that's good. I think that helps me live out the words of Jim Elliott, wherever you are, be all there. But do our cell phones always help us be all there? (laughs) They help us love our neighbor. (laughs) When our heads are buried in our phone and ignoring the people right in front of us? Or does our digital world simply help us to, as someone has said, self-select our experiences? Help me to ignore the undesirable people in my life? Does it help me walk worthy of my calling or not? With all, what does it say at the beginning of Ephesians 4 again? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, Bearing with one another, especially those annoying people, in love. Does my phone or anything else help me love my neighbor more? We need to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, some things are obviously not pleasing to the Lord. Verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. He's probably at least talking about all those things that he just named a few verses ago, along with anything that's clearly forbidden in God's word, sure. Saying we need to avoid it personally. He goes further, doesn't he? He says we need to expose it. We need to call sin, sin, and still love sinners. been saying this a lot lately. Hate your sin without hating yourself. And hate sin, not sinners. See, Christians have to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And in our world, which often calls evil good and good evil, we we have to be clear about what is sin and what isn't sin. Therefore, sometimes we will be wrongly accused of being judgmental, holier than thou, think you're better than me, other things. Sometimes that will be true, right? And we need to repent quickly when that happens. In other times won't be true. People will say it anyway. And we have to pray for extra grace, for a way to defend ourselves without sounding defensive, for the confidence that we live and breathe for an audience of one, that if God accepts me, makes his face to shine upon me, that I can endure whatever verbal persecution comes my way. I have to call sin, sin. It says it here. I have to shine a light on dark and shameful behavior, as it talks about in verse 12, that some people want to keep hidden in the dark. Some people are going to hate me if I do that. Call that out. For others, shining a light of rebuke, even if I don't say, hey, you are, name their sin. Even if I just name it generally, And say, this is a sin. The Bible, God's word says so. For others, shining a light of rebuke, exposing their action, even indirectly, verse 13, will convict them. Make them search for the truth and life and light. Now, some of you, you know that. Sometimes your sin has been exposed. Sometimes bringing it into the light was the first step to freedom. Yes, this is true. I need help. I can't hide anymore. This stinks, but I'm glad. Some of you hear that and say, I almost want that, (laughs) but I'm not sure. You're like, this might be surprising to you. You're like St. Augustine from long ago. Oh, Lord, give me purity and self-control, but oh, no, not yet, he prayed. If that's you... God's word. Verse 14, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. God wants you to wake from sleep, to come out of the darkness, to find the light that will not only expose your sin, which may terrify you, but also begin to heal your sin. It said that sunlight is the best disinfected, So let God shine hope into your life through his forgiveness, through through a healing and forgiving community, a community that exhibits the gospel plus safety plus time. Not Not that that means we take sin lightly. A community that names sin, loves the sinner, courageously strives for holiness, the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. A community that claims The promise we read here, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. We imitate God, pursuing holiness, fleeing sin, by bringing sin into the light because we're children of the light and we know that God will continue to give the light of his presence. Why else do we imitate God and pursue holiness? Because fourthly, God's people live in evil days. We're getting to the end. We're wrapping up. got two more points here. They'll both be quick. God's people live in evil days, it says, in verses 15 through 17. Verses 15 through 17. More ways that we imitate God, pursue holiness. Why, why do we do this? Verse 16 says, because the days are evil. Look at 15 and 16. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Being wise, wisdom, That could characterize all the stuff we already saw, the previous commands, the ways we imitate God and pursue holiness. And why else? What else do wise men and women know? They know the days are evil. They know that holiness doesn't come without effort. Holiness doesn't come passively in a fallen world, does it? If you go along with the ways of the world, you're not going to just stumble into the kingdom of God if you're not thoughtful and intentional about your choices and your behavior, you won't be any different from the world. You won't be salt and light. Now, One other thing I have to mention here, Paul is writing around A.D. 61. He said, then, the days are evil. If the days were evil in A.D. 61, maybe we should calm down. Maybe we should turn our panic meter down instead of cranking it to 11. Not because the days are significantly more or less evil now than they were back then, but somehow, even when the days were evil back then, somehow God still sustained his people. He gave first century Christians all that they needed for life and godliness, even when the days were evil and the government was regularly persecuting Christians. We too can remain faithful, even if we're elect exiles in the 21st century. Even if the world thinks we're weird or bigots or worse, God can still give us all that we need for life and godliness. He still can. But we have to get to work in all of life, right? At at work, at home, at church, wherever we live, work, and play, we need to redeem the time, make the best use of the time. Asking what would God have me to do right now, wherever I'm at, Wherever you are, be all there. Imitate God and pursue holiness. Because you know, there is one way that I cannot imitate God. Do you you know this? Do you know where I'm going? I don't exist outside of time. I have limited time. And I don't want to waste it. Now to be clear, sleeping, not wasting time. That's restoring yourself to live for God's glory tomorrow if he gives you tomorrow. Time with family, not wasting time vacation, enjoying God's creation, not necessarily wasting time. If you do any of those things intentionally, you're redeeming the time, making the best use of the time, living in wisdom. You know, sometimes your schedule is going to go to pot and you are going to have to redeem the time in real time, make the best use of your time, reprioritize things on the fly. I know it happens to all of us. But then there are some of us that live that way habitually, right? No priorities. Going where the wind takes you. I'm not sure if this speaks to our military heavy congregation full of engineers and people who think like engineers, as I like to say. But some of you need to hear this. Is that the best use of your time? Just living according to the ways of the world. Going wherever the evil days take you. Rick Stark, one of my pastors in seminary, he had one and a half to two jobs for about nine months while our church was searching for another pastor. And on one of those busy days, he looked me in the eye and said, if I don't order my time, nobody else will. In a fallen world, time doesn't redeem itself. Holiness doesn't happen on accident. Why else should we imitate God? Finally, because God's people exude godliness when they're filled with the Spirit. God's people exude godliness when they're filled with the Spirit. Verses 18 to 22. Another way to say this is the best thing to be filled with is the Holy Spirit, not any alternative. What, what alternatives might we be talking about? Well, look at verse 17 and 18 with me. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with wine, it's debauchery, lack of self-control, we could go on. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the doctor, reminds us, as only a medical doctor turned preacher can, alcohol is a sedative. It's a downer. It's a depressant. It's, it's not a stimulant. He says it depresses the highest centers of all in the brain, everything that gives a man self control, wisdom, understanding, discrimination, judgment, balance, everything that makes a man behave it is his very best and highest. No, the scriptures do not forbid alcohol, but it certainly forbids drunkenness. And that description may be a reason why it depresses one's abilities. May also gladden the heart of man, as the scripture says, but scripture warns against alcohol's excesses. But you know what it doesn't warn us against? You know what excess it never warns us against? Too much imitation of God, too much of the Holy Spirit, I don't don't remember that warning. Since it's good to be filled with the Spirit, because what results from it? Verse eighteen, it says, "But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody of the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another and of reverence for Christ." Now, first off, verse twenty-one may be the start of a new section. There's some debate there, but but logically, think through the fullness of the Holy Spirit would only increase. Our reverence for Christ, would it not? But back to the rest. Be imitators of God, he says, the very beginning. Pursue holiness. Don't be filled with wine, be filled with the Spirit. While all believers are sealed with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1.13. While we receive the Holy Spirit when we're born again, while we possess him until we reach heaven, we can also be more or less full at any given time, of the Spirit. Another way to say it, we can be more, we we can display more or less of the fruit of the Spirit in our daily lives. Are you always full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, always? There's a contrast here, isn't there? Being drunk, being filled with wine, it, it makes us more out of control. Stott says it makes us more like wild animals. Whereas being filled with the Spirit makes us more human, truly human, the way humans are supposed to be, more Christ-like, more in fellowship with one another, addressing one another with different types of songs, more worshipful, making melody to the Lord, more grateful, giving thanks always and for everything. And isn't that the church? that you want, that you most want to be part of. Encouraging, thankful, worshipful, directing our attention to God and his blessings and away from ourselves and our selfish desires. And isn't this another reason to imitate God and pursue holiness? It's ultimately in our best interest. Being filled with the Spirit, as well as these other things, being wise, redeeming the time, living transparently in the light, fleeing destructive behavior, walking in love, not lust. All of these things are means that God uses to create the kind of church that we want. Wise, loving, transparent people who want to be filled with the Spirit. It's the kind of church I want. And on our best days, it's the kind of church we are. And if this is the kind of church we want, and I think you want it, then why don't we start pursuing it now? Why wait? Why wait for others? Why not take the first step? See, even if I fail, <laughs> will God love me less? Am I not a beloved child of God? Has he not loved me and given himself up for me? Has he not said, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you? My friends, arise from the dead, imitate God, and Christ will keep shining on you. Let's pray. O oh God, our God, we come to you this morning. We can feel our own inability. We can feel the difficulty of all that you call us to do. Stop doing all the bad stuff. Start doing, keep doing all the stuff that's so hard. Oh God, we are thankful for Christ, not only because he forgives us in the midst of our sin, our imperfection, our shortcomings, sometimes a rebellion, occasional rebellion, but also because he has done all these things in our place and because he can give us the strength to do them as well. Father, would you continue to complete in us the good work that you've begun? Would you help us remember how much we need you, how much we need each other? Be with us, we pray, in Jesus' great name, amen.